earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. You can be seated. As I have said more than once during this series on Revelation, I may be right. I may be wrong. My interpretation of Revelation is built around what did it mean to the primary audience. The primary audience for Revelation was those first and second century Christians that John is writing to. But keep in mind, I could be wrong. And tonight, definitely, I could be wrong. Because tonight we're talking about this guy. False teachers that look so good. I'm going to urge you tonight, don't let yourself get fooled by false teachers because they come in many different shapes and shapes and sizes. So don't let yourself get fooled by false teachers. We begin with a story about Harold Uray, a nuclear physicist from the University of Chicago, and his chauffeur. Dr. Uray was a pioneer in nuclear research. And because of that, he was called upon to, uh, to make speeches about his research on behalf of the university. So the university hired him a chauffeur to take him to all these different places and for him to make this speech. But guess what? He got tired of making the same speech. You know, every week it was the very same speech. So one night, as they were traveling to the destination, he was talking to his chauffeur. He said, hey, tonight let's do something different. You have heard this same speech dozens and dozens of times. I'm sure you can do it yourself. So tonight, let's trade places. Let me up there in the driver's seat, and you come back here, and you be me, and you make the speech. Well, the chauffeur was kind of uh, intrigued by that uh, possibility. He said, well, I'll tell you what, I, I think I can do your speech, and I'll do it, okay? So they traded places, and proceeded on to arrive at the destination. The chauffeur got up and presented the speech. And the speech was flawless. It was word for word what Dr. Uray had said on so many occasions. But near the end of the speech, a pompous, arrogant professor sitting in the crowd stood up and he shouted out a question to the chauffeur. The question was a hard question, okay? And, and Dr. Uray, sitting in the audience, said, uh-oh, the gig is up, you know. We're going to be caught here because there's no way that chauffeur can answer this question. But that chauffeur, he did not even skip a beat. He looked at that professor and said, Sir, I am really shocked that you would ask a question like that. In fact, that question is so easy I'm going to ask my chauffeur to come up here and answer the question. You know, that chauffeur was pretty smooth. And the Bible warns us of certain smooth-talking 
speakers. We call them false teachers. Matthew chapter 7. Beware of false prophets that come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are what? Ravenous wolves. They look so good. 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. False teachers, my friends, are dangerous deceivers. And today, they can come right into your home. Every day, through your TV, through your radio, and through the internet. And they sound convincing. They sound so good. Be careful. Be careful that you don't believe everything you hear. Because some of the stuff can ruin your life, even if it does come from an entertaining speaker with a lot of charisma. And some of these guys are pretty good speakers. Revelation chapter 13. We've already studied the first half of this chapter. We looked at the first beast. What was the first beast? The first beast was the civil and military government of Rome, as personified by the emperors. And they were powerful. And they brought massive persecution upon the church. But this second beast that we find in the last half of the chapter, this second beast is even more cunning. And he's deadly. He is the false religion beast of Rome. Revelation 13, verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth. Now, the first beast came from the sea. The Rome military force was famous for their, their seafaring vessels that took them from all corners of their empire and, and was able to wield mighty force upon people all through the empire. But this beast comes out of the earth. Because it's man-made. The earth represents man here. Comes out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb. Now when you see the word lamb, what do you think of? You think of religion. You think of sacrifice. You think of uh, Jesus, the Lamb of God. You see, this beast is false religion. It's religious and it has a little bit of good in it, but it's mostly bad because it's false religion. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. As Native Americans would say, he speaks with forked tongue. This false religion is what? It's the devil's plaything. He loves false religion. Because he knows there is a, a God-created hole in each one of us that only God can fill, and, and we want to fill it. And, and if we're not careful, we'll fill it with false religion. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. 
The false religion of Rome had the military and the civil government backing them up. They were kind of all in bed together, all three of them, the military, the civil, the false religion. He exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. He causes the earth and those who dwell in it to what? Worship. False religion. To worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Remember we had the chart up here. We had all those emperor's names. And remember the gaps? You know, persecution would come down hard on the church and there would be a little gap, a little rest. And then another emperor would rise up and he would come down hard on the Christians. Every time they thought the first beast was wounded, he's not going to come back. He comes back. During the gaps, Rome's false religion attacked. And here's what they did we realized that eventually Christianity was legalized by Rome. In the early part of the first century, Constantine finally legalized Christianity. But here's a sad thing to note. When he legalized Christianity, the Christianity that he legalized was far different from the Christianity we see in the book of Acts. You see, Rome's false religion had come in there and had changed things. They had what? They had adopted wrong precepts, wrong concepts, and wrong practices. We have infant baptism. We have the abuse of leadership and the rise of supreme bishops. We have what? We have false doctrine coming into true Christianity. Now, there's always been a remnant. There's always been a remnant of faithful Christians throughout the generations. But the Christianity that Constantine finally legalized was not the same as what we find in the book of Acts. Rome's false religion kept on attacking even during the gaps even during the periods where the persecution was down, false religion was still trying to work against true Christianity. It kind of reminds me of Wyatt's. Now, you don't have that here. But when I was growing up, there was a, a cafeteria-style restaurant close to, not too far from where we lived, called Wyatt's. And I love going in there because you would walk down the line and you could actually pick out your food. And, and Jim, you would put your food on your tray and get down to the end and then you would pay for your tray. I remember one time I was walking down the line and I, I spotted it. Boy, that, it looked like a, just a juicy steak. I mean, it looked so good. And I said, I want that. So the lady put it on my a plate and gave it to me. I took my fork and my knife. I cut into that steak, took the first bite, and went, ah, just spit it out. Because it wasn't steak. It was liver. Oh, how could they? 
Now, for those of you who like liver, you might not get my point. But for us normal people who can't stand the stuff, I think you will understand. The cafeteria, that cafeteria has taken the worst food ever conjured up to torture folks and made it look like the best. They made it look like a New York steak. But it wasn't. You see, that's what false religion does. False religion makes things look good that are not. They make defiance to God's commands look so appealing. That's false religion for you. False teachers. False teachers can create a story that sounds convincing. They can make a lie look like the truth. They can make depravity look delightful. They dress it up to look so good that people don't realize that they will gag on it in the end like I was gagging on that liver. My friends, don't be deceived by false teachers. Please don't. Don't be fooled by their words. Don't let their words fool you. Never, ever do that. Just because they call lust a healthy fantasy, just because they call prosperity preaching the gospel, just because they call evil good doesn't make it so. Just because they call abortion pro-choice, just because they call suicide a person's right to die, just because they call homosexuality an alternate lifestyle, just because they call immorality safe sex, doesn't make it so. It doesn't make it so. Don't be deceived. False teachers make evil look good. And they make the truth look so wrong. Today, those of us who stand for righteousness are called intolerant, narrow-minded bigots. People are so messed up in their thinking today. Please don't be deceived by false teachers. Don't be fooled by their words. And don't be fooled by their works. For a moment here, I want to talk just to our young people. Those watching online, if you are a young person, please focus for just a moment. As you grow up, you're going to probably go off to school. You're going to get married and, and perhaps, we hope you don't, but maybe you might move away from here. And you're going to hear things that sound appealing. You're going to think, well, you know, that's not how we worship back home. But does it really make any difference? You know, that band really, that band really sounds good. Yeah. You know, boy, they have a good beat and it sounds good up there and everybody seems like they're enjoying themselves. And, and yes, they maybe, you know, maybe they don't have the communion every Sunday, but, you know, does it really matter? You see, it's easy to fall victim to false teachers. Whenever Billy or myself get up here, whenever an elder gets up to speak, whenever a teacher is teaching a class, 
check it out. Make sure that what we are teaching, you can look to the Bible and prove. Amen, Billy? Amen. Because it's so easy to be led astray. It's so easy to fall into following the leader and being like a sheep and just doing what they say. Be careful. Be careful because there are false teachers out there today. This part of the chapter, yes, the primary audience is back then in the first and second century, but boy, does it have a message for all of us today. We have to be on guard. We have to be on guard. I know I have family members that have left the truth. And even though I have talked to them and I said, well, here's, here's what that church is teaching. They said, well, we know that, but does it really matter? We know that's what God said, but does it really count? And boy, they are really doing a lot of good in our community. You see, don't be fooled by their works. There is a lot of works being done by false religion. There's a lot of good works. I will admit, there's a lot of good works being done by false religion. Don't be fooled by their works. I remember going to the museum at Nuremberg, Germany. If you don't know, Nuremberg was Hitler's utopia city. He wanted to create a, a grand city that would make the Third Rock so proud. He wanted to show off what the Nazi theory of life was all about. So he he built so many buildings in Nuremberg. Now you can go to Nuremberg, you can go to the museum there. It's called the Documentation Center. And there, they're not there to glorify the Nazi way of life. Their purpose is to warn you what can happen if you let a few people lead you astray. You see, the German people were not bad people. You know, you know, we can't paint the German people as all bad people. The German people were good people back in the 30s and 40s. But they were good people that were led astray by a few false leaders. And we had the creation of Nazi Germany. You see, it's so easy to be misled. False teachers will mislead you. Look at verse number 13. He performed great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. You know, here's what's uh, funny. You know, you can watch a magic act on TV and boy, you look at those things and you say, well, how do they do that? You, I say, Clayton, you know, I watch that and say, how did they do that? That, is, that looks like impossible. There's a guy on YouTube that all he does is he debunks the magic acts. He actually shows you how they did it. And when he shows you how they did the trick, 
you say, well, why did I think of that? That's so easy. That's so obvious now. You see, it's easy to be fooled. It's so easy to be fooled. And it's easy to be fooled in religion. You can hear these false teachers and they sound good. He performed great signs. He deceives those who dwell on the earth. Boy, he looks good. We have a, an evil trio here in Revelation 13. We got the dragon, that's the devil, that's Satan. And he's got his two beasts. On one side, he's got the military and civil government as personified by the emperors. And over here, he has false religion, the idols. That would eventually, eventually creep over into Christianity. You've got to be on guard. You've got to be on guard. Today, it's false denominations that look just a little like the New Testament church. You know, they've got a little bit of New Testament church in them. They've got a little bit of truth in them, but they add a whole lot of man's ideas. For example, the health and wealth preachers that we have today. 1 Timothy 6, verse 5, Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a measure of gain from such withdrawal yourself. 2 Peter chapter 2, Heaven eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accused children. Don't let yourself get fooled by false teachers. Seeing is not really believing. You may have heard of the name Rick Warren. Kind of a big name. He's out at a place called Saddleback out in California. And you look at Saddleback, and you see a lot of good works being done. You see a lot of good things being done in that community. And you think, well, hey, they must be right. Look at all the good stuff they're doing. You see, seeing is not really believing. If I do all these good works, but do it outside of the truth of God... I'm just doing works. That's all I'm doing. I'm violating God's commandments. Seeing is not really believing. Don't be fooled by their words. Don't be fooled by their works. And don't let them dominate your life. Because they can. False religion can dominate your life where you become dictated by the false religion. Don't submit to their teaching and don't let them enslave you. Here we come, Mark of the Beast, verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy. You can't buy anything. No one can sell, can't sell anything. 
except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. You can't operate. You can't, you can't function in life. Here is wisdom. Let him who has an understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. First off, let me say this. There have been a lot of funny ideas I've heard over my lifetime about this mark of the beast. I've heard that your social security number, well, that's the mark of the beast. Or it's a barred code system at the supermarket. You know, when you check out, that's the, the mark of the beast. Or it's an implantable uh, a biochip they're going to put in your body. I do not believe those things are the mark of the beast. Here's why. That would not be of importance to first and second Christian, first and second century Christians. Keep in mind my interpretation of Revelation, which I could be wrong, is purely dictated by what it first meant to the first and second century Christians and what we can apply, how we can make application to us today. So if those things are not the mark of the beast, what is the mark of the beast? Well, first off, did you notice the number? 666. What's the number 6? It's imperfect. 7 is perfect. Six is getting close, but it's not there. That's imperfect. Six is man-made imperfection. Six, six is really imperfection. And six, six, six is really, really imperfection. John is emphasizing the imperfection of false religion. Now... In their day and time, what did it mean? We know there was a lot of religious tattooing, as I might call it, religious tattooing, that was attributed to the false idols. John may be referring to that. All these uh, tattoos they would put on their bodies uh, in honor of their false idols. This also may be referring to the trade guilds that controlled the working economy of Rome. And you had to be a part of a guild to, to really work in Rome. If you're not a part of a guild, you're going to get the worst jobs, the lowest paying jobs. You're going to get the jobs that no one else wants. Maybe it's referring to that. But ultimately, the mark of the beast is in reference to false religion giving honor to false teaching. You think about Christianity. In the fourth century, and you think about all the changes that had happened already, and the Christianity that Rome finally adopted was really a, uh, it was a blend. It was a blend of true Christianity, a little bit of true Christianity, with a lot of false teaching. 
Keep in mind, there's always been a remnant, faithful people throughout the generations. The mark of the beast, I believe, is representing false religion. You know who this is. Remember Jim Jones? Guyana. Have you ever taken the time to listen to any of his speeches? Actually, in terms of speech, if I was a speech teacher given a grade in a class, I would give him pretty high marks. I mean, his speeches were persuasive. His speeches were convincing. His speeches were motivating. Well, they better be because his followers all drunk the Kool-Aid and they all died because he said so. You see, if we listen to false religion, we're no better than the follower of Jim Jones. We're no better than any of those people. We have to make sure that we are following God's Word. Just because I take a horse and call him a pig and paint him the color of a pig and feed him slop doesn't make that horse a pig. Just because I have a little bit of truth, but I, I blend it with false teaching, doesn't make it so. It doesn't make it truth. Don't be deceived by false teachers. Don't be fooled by their words. Don't be fooled by their works. And don't let them dominate your life. Once again, we come to the end. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? Do you believe? Will you repent? Will you confess? Will you be baptized? As a Christian, do you need to seek forgiveness? The church stands ready to pray with you and for you. If you have any need to respond, will you please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. I wonder.